This is a podcast by The Straits Times. Welcome everyone. We're going to do our first podcast recording in front of a live audience here at the very cool Tomasic Shop House along 28 Orchard Road. Now give it up for our kind venue and yourselves. So the usual host of Green Pulse Podcast Show is our SD Climate Editor, David Fogarty, but he is overseas and I'm very glad to stand in. Once again, I'm Ernest Lewis, the Podcast Editor for ST, and let's welcome our two guests up here in the hot seats to tackle the topic of rising sea levels to Singapore. Now, first up is Kong Man Jin, or MJ for short. She's better known as Bio Girl MJ in her YouTube and Instagram channels. Just keep thinking. Woohoo! Let's bring on MJ. She's even got her trademark specs. That's what she wears on her YouTube channel. And next we have Audrey Tan. She's the Science Comms and Outreach Lead for NUS Centre for Nature-Based Climate Solutions and Tropical Marine Science Institute. Give it up for Audrey. So welcome to the show, MJ Audrey. Thanks for having us. Thank you. So let's start. Um, <laughs> sea level rise in Singapore, basically it's expected to reach one metre by 2100. You know, that's here. But if there's heavy rainfall and there are storm surges, the authorities have basically told us this could go up to five meters when there's an abnormal rise, uh, abnormal rise of water. And we're talking about that 30% of land mass in Singapore is under five meters, right? And 70% of Singapore's coastline is currently protected by hard features, uh, hard structures. And what do you think? I mean, if you look at all those numbers and the percentages, that doesn't sound very promising, right? I, MJ, what do you think? Do you think a lot of your fellow millennials here are aware of these statistics? Um, interestingly, before I come onto the podcast, I did a mini survey on my channel mm-hmm. to really test everyone's knowledge about sea level rise. And we have two different groups of people generally. So I think for people who aren't aware of what um, the government's already doing behind the scenes, um, they were like, yes, we are going to sink. Singapore is an island. We're surrounded by water. We just had a major flood. Our highest, tallest point is Bukit Timah Hill, which is only 100 plus meters. So they were you know, more or less, you know, foresee the future where we will get flooded. But then we have another group of people who were very, very confident in the government's effort to protect our coastline. So they're like, no, the government has thought about it, probably planned something along the way. I mean, they planned it years ago. But So it was very interesting mm. to see one group of people who aren't very knowledgeable about what has been done to protect our coastlines, but another group of very confident people uh, okay. who knows that, you know, like this government has already done something about it. Right. What about, I mean, your channel, you uh, appeal to a lot of millennials and all that. What about the younger generation, Generation Z? I'm pretty sure they watch your channel as well. How do they feel about these kind of statistics? Are they even concerned or do they feel like clueless? Where do we start? How do I even begin to volunteer and help? Yeah. Or even let my voice be heard. Right. Personally, I feel that they aren't very concerned about it. Um, maybe because of the fact that Singapore hasn't really experienced the impact too devastatingly as compared to other countries. I have to say we are a very pampered country of sorts. Like our government does think beforehand like two, three steps ahead of us about what the country could potentially expect in the near future. So things like 
you know, the temperature rising, now we have aircons, um, food supply issues. We are diver diversifying our food supply. We have eggs from Poland. And even with water supply, we also have, you know, new water and desalination work. So when it comes to coastal protection efforts, other than the occasional one or two flash floods that we have mm. uh, in a year and it's increasing in frequency, um, they aren't aware and they, because they didn't experience, they are not aware, they aren't concerned about it. They might complain once or twice, but other than that, they are, they are pretty much ignorant about it. Hmm. Mm. Okay, that's good to know. Um, but also quite worrying. And Audrey, what about you? I mean, can you break down the progress? I mean, for us, there's so many key solutions that the authorities have looked at, but what are the key solutions to tackle with these kind of statistics? Yeah. Hi, Anas. Okay, yeah. So I guess sea level rise is such a big and worrying problem for a lot of us. But I think it's important to note that sea level rise doesn't affect the world uniformly. So the figure is cited 1 meter sea level rise by 2100. That was a figure cited by the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change for global mean sea level. Mm -hmm. So here, uh, for us here in Singapore, it's likely that we will experience sea level rise in a very different way from our neighbors or from countries in you know, different parts of the, of the planet. So that being said, even within Singapore itself, we have over 300 kilometers uh, worth of coastlines, which is, a, which is quite lengthy, right? Even though we yeah. are so small. And even within our country, different parts of our coastline will be affected by sea level rise in different ways. So in terms of solutions, I would say there are two key buckets. One bucket is about a lot of studies being done to contextualize these global developments to the Singapore context. And as MJ mentioned, the government is doing quite a lot on that front. Uh, the National Water Agency, PUB, has uh, divided our coastlines up into different areas and is doing site-specific studies to look at how sea level rise will affect the various portions of our coastlines and the various uh, measures that can be taken to protect them. So I guess I can just cite a few examples here. One of the major parts of our coastline will be the city east coast stretch where our east coast beach is. Of course, east coast beach is a beach, sandy seashores, right? Mm. But if you look at the northern parts of our country where um, Sungai Bulo is, the northwestern parts of Singapore, it's a very different kind of habitat. It's about mangroves. So the coastal protection strategies that can be taken to protect each of these coastlines will be different. So a lot of work is being done to contextualize how uh, global mean sea levels will change uh, for us here in Singapore. So that's one big bucket. Another one would be possible solutions that can be done. So, for example, the universities here are very active on this front. Uh, the Nanyang Technological University, they do a lot of studies looking at natural archives. So, coral reefs, coral micro-atolls and mangroves. Looking into these natural archives to see how sea levels have changed in Singapore over the past. Because knowing how sea levels have changed before will help us prepare what actions you can take in the future. And for us in NUS, uh, our Tropical Marine Science Institute is looking at how we can marry hard structures. Earlier you mentioned Singapore's coastline, 70% of it are protected by concrete structures. Hmm. How we can soften that by you know, helping nature help us. So I guess we can talk a bit more about that later. But uh, coral reefs, mangroves, they are all very effective nature-based solutions that could help uh, in our bid to tackle climate change. So I would say those are like the two key areas that Singapore is looking into. Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, we'll come back to that. In fact, you're talking about like coral reefs and all that. One of the interesting, if you guys have time, just check out MJ's uh, YouTube channel. It's called Just Keep Thinking. So she, one of the interesting videos she has is that she discovered, she brought the viewers to discover this little coral 
reef kind of thing at Marina at Keppel Bay. Did you know there were corals there? Yeah, I didn't know until she pointed it out in her channel. So, like, how do you make sea level signs, you know, all these kinds of uh, science factors, how do you make it relatable to youth? What, what do you think is the importance of that? Well, I think first and foremost, when it comes not only just to youths, but to anyone who might not necessarily be interested in um, this topic, things like nature, sustainability, which constitute more than just youths, right? The, the elderly, mm. the parents. Um, the, one of the best ways to reach out to these people is through social media. I'm sure everyone knows its power in, and its influence to reach millions of people, not only just locally, but globally as well. And the thing about social media is that this platform, people usually go to social media for entertainment purposes. Yeah, they're not exactly there to necessarily search up for heavy loaded information to, to you know, study heavy content. So that's one of the tips that I always kept in mind. Like I, have to keep, I have to make it interesting. You know, what should I do to make them stop scrolling and continue watching the rest of my videos and in return they gain something out of it while being entertained at the same time so that is one key advice I can give to everyone and it's something that I've always kept in mind as I create my videos it's, it has to be very interesting in the first place and there are various ways to make it interesting you know re relatable something visually impactful and with that you slot in information along the way yeah, and it might not be the full story of it all, but at, at the end of it, they, the audience does learn something about it. And if they want to learn more, they can go ahead and read up more and delve deeper into it. Okay. Mm. And Audrey, what do you think about the awareness of sea level signs, you know, among the wider public? Maybe even the older generation, Madeka generation and all that, how, how do you, what do you think? So I would say awareness is definitely growing. I would cite one of the key turning points in this awareness journey as in the National Day Rally in 2019 when PM Lee talked about sea level rise in his speech and he talked about how sea level defences were as existential for Singapore as our Singapore Armed Forces. So I think a lot of people, I mean, when you put it that way, people really set up and pay attention because now and sea level rise and climate change is not just an environmental problem. It's an issue that is affecting all aspects of our lives and sea level rise is just one aspect of that. In his speech, then he also mentioned a very huge figure, $100 billion required over the long term to protect Singapore from rising sea levels. So I would say... At that time, when PM Lee talked about this in his National Day Rally speech, it really prompted climate change and moved it to the top of the national agenda. And since then, we have seen parliamentary debates over climate change. I think there has been at least two of them. Uh, talks about marine conservation in parliament, which is something that you would never have seen like just maybe five years ago yeah. or any time before that. So I would say awareness is definitely there. But of course, awareness is there, but whether the action that people take to measure up to what they know, I think that is still a work in progress. In fact, uh, a lot of the Pacific Islands, right? I mean, you've covered a few cops. A lot of the Pacific Islands are worried about sea level rise. In fact, we shouldn't wait, right? We shouldn't wait for the big countries to solve our problems. We should be actively looking at it. Yeah, I think that's another big problem, right? When you talk about climate change projections, they are always for like the year 2100. How many of us will still be alive in 2100? Uh, it's a very difficult concept to grasp and there's so many immediate concerns to be worrying about, especially now, you know, high inflation and so on. So I think this kind of time gaps are also like one big problem in, in terms of helping people grasp the importance of climate action now. That is 
something that I think communicators like MJ and myself are constantly having to uh, try to work to help people overcome. But I think that sea level rise is just one problem, one symptom of climate change. This illness is much more severe than just one meter sea level rise in 2100. We are already starting to feel some of the other symptoms now, whether it be rising temperatures, erratic rainfall patterns, erratic weather patterns. Uh, right now, we can already have a glimpse of how El Nino, you know, the impending El Nino, it's a, it's a natural climate phenomenon, but it's going to have similar impacts to long-term climate change because it disrupts weather, it disrupts rainfall. And hopefully through incidents like that, people can really see that, you know, we need to take climate action now because El Nino symptoms will fade after a few months, but long-term climate change will not be easy to abate. This conversation was recently recorded at Tomasic Shop House in front of a live audience to celebrate the 5th anniversary of SD Podcasts. My two guests were science content creator Miss Kong Man Jing, better known as BioGirl MJ, and Miss Audrey Tan, science comms and outreach lead at the NUS Centre for Nature-Based Climate Solutions and the Tropical Marine Science Institute. We were tackling the topic of rising sea level threats to Singapore. So one of the things that the National Water Agency, POB, will do this year, they will explore the feasibility of an underground drainage and reservoir system. Now, this is to combat inland and coastal flooding. That will start this year in 2023. Can you guys explain to us how do you think this concept works? I was very curious about this. And this was just reported in the Straits Times here. Okay, so major some context. In terms of experiencing floods in Singapore, there could be a few reasons for this. Rising sea levels could inundate our coastlines, that's one. But also don't forget erratic rainfall patterns, bouts of more intense and frequent rainfall could also overwhelm our drainage capacity. We have seen instances like this over the past couple of years when we had La Nina. La Nina is the sister to El Nino where it brings more rain. El Nino made less rain. But during this kind of natural variability, we already see the impacts and how it might be difficult for our drainage infrastructure to cope with such rainfall. So other than what you mentioned, you know, drainage capacity in Singapore, there's really a limit to how many drains we can build, how wide you can widen. Look at our roads outside. Opposite is the MRT station. Outside is like three or four lane traffic. How much more can we widen our roads? Underground storage for excess water is one, situ one potential solution that our government is exploring. But on top of that, they're also developing things like, you know, an inland coastal flood model. So that will see how Singapore will be affected by rainfall or rising sea levels and how that might affect our, our adaptive capacity to deal with all these uh, challenges. So yeah, that, that is just some of the solutions. Uh. MG? Yeah, yeah, I think for the drainage system, in 2014, the government actually passed a, a regulation law that uh, any developments beyond a certain hectare, they need to have a detention tank system to store underground stormwater to prevent it from entering our reservoirs and our water supply. But uh, obviously, I don't think that's enough. We have to definitely think about other solutions as well. And mm. drainage is just one part of the solution. And it's not one size fits all. You have to depend on the area as well. That's why nature is so important, right? If you pour water on a grass patch versus you pour water on concrete, you can really see the difference in how much 
rainfall get, I mean, is affecting that particular area. So MJ mentioned that, you know, the detention tanks, that is one part of the solution. Drainage is another, but having pockets of greenery uh, is also, I think, quite important in terms of an urban nature-based solution to help us cope with the impacts of climate change, such as erratic rainfall. Okay, so I read this story recently that, you know, Venice, they are thinking now that they want to raise Venice by 25 cm. And the way to do it is because they used to drain all the groundwater from it. That's why it was sinking. They want to raise it by 25 cm. The way to do it is to pump seawater underground below Venice and then raise up that entire place by 25 cm. In Singapore, it might be the reverse. But can I ask you this question? Would it work if you imagine a seawall around the island of Singapore? I know it sounds a bit like some Netflix drama or whatever. Attack on, but Attack on Titan. Does that work? <laughs> or can we talk about what other solutions that there are would be like seawalls, polders? Yeah, maybe. Uh, I mean, it sounds, theoretically wise, it sounds alright, right? Build a seawall, <laughs> but obviously we cannot do that uh, because our coastlines, they, they differ, you know, depending on where you're looking at. And we also have natural coastlines such as our mangroves, our seagrasses. We cannot just destroy them right, all. Right, so it will kill build- that off. If we do a seawall. Uh, it looks it. like it. And not only that, I think money, you know, ching, I don't think it's as simple as it sounds. Yeah. So I think we have to be more innovative in our ways okay. on trying to find uh, complementary solutions that work, that benefits all and also doesn't burn a hole yeah. in <laughs> our funds. I guess building a giant seawall around the whole of Singapore is as feasible <laughs> as building a giant aircon above our entire country. Okay. Yeah, which is a uh, I guess there are other better ways to do it. Like MJ said, financially, there are probably other solutions that we can explore. Uh, That's why I think the site-specific studies that PUB is doing is so important Mm. because it helps you take the necessary precautions needed for the various parts of our coastline and also considering that different parts of our island have different forms of critical infrastructure, right? So our city area, city east coast area, that's where our CBD is. Uh, It's very different from up north where you have the causeway, you have our reservoirs. So... And it's also about using, leveraging the natural ecosystems in that area. So on the northwest, you have mangroves. So mangroves are really important for in buffering sea level rise. We have seen examples, not just in Singapore, but in other countries as well. Many people can recognize mangroves for their prop roots. And these prop roots are not only just iconic of the habitat, they are also really good at trapping sediment from the tides. And as the the, the roots trap sediment, it helps the habitat keep pace with sea level rise to an extent. And that really performs a really natural kind of barrier to uh, sea level rise. So by leveraging all this natural, the, the natural ecosystems in, in our area, it's, it can also help us to tackle uh, this gi- giant problem of climate change. Mm. I just want to add on to what Audrey had said. I also think that sometimes we take our coastlines for granted. We take things like you know, our beaches, our forests, our marine shores for granted as well. So as someone who does um, regular nature-guided walks on both the intertidal coastlines and also the mangrove area, um, I managed to gain like a deeper appreciation for our wildlife, for our biodiversity. And I, I think the community also has a bond with nature. 
And we shouldn't let them disappear because I think it is much more valuable than we think. Imagine we have no beaches to go to. We have no weekend barbecue <laughs> by the sandy shore. We have no more mangroves. We cannot, we no longer are able to appreciate the biodiversity around us. I think that has a negative impact on society as well. Very quickly, I mean, on June 19, it was Singapore that announced the most ambitious reef restoration 100,000 corals will be progressively planted and grown in Singapore's waters from 2024 to beef up the biodiversity of the waters and also, as you said, to protect the coastline. What are your takes on this? I mean, obviously, it's good news. It's everything that you guys wanted. And more nature, guided nature walks from you, right, MJ? Yeah. Well, it's submerged, but hopefully one day it won't be, you know. I can also explore it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, Maybe you can lead diving trips, huh? Sure. <laughs> Anyone wants to be the first participant? Uh, very excited for it because I actually did a video with Team SI um, where they were, they were conducting this whole project and it, it was very tedious, you know. They have to like really take the coral and break it in, in a way that actually they form fragments that could be regrown into a new coral. And it's nice to know that the project has scaled up in a in such a way that they can actually have hundred thousands of them mm. in reef enhancement units, which is also a very cool structure um, because they act like submerged barriers of some sort underwater. So they also do help to dissipate some of the wave energy. And depending on how, you know, the angle of the slope, how many of them you put, the distance between them, right? It actually does um, dissipate, you know, a certain percentage of the wave's energy. So very exciting to see that uh, they are scaling up this project even more and hopefully you get to see more coral reefs and the biodiversity that comes along with it. All right. Well, that's a wrap for this 102nd episode of Green Pulse. Thanks, MJ, for coming on the show, sharing your insights. And thanks, Audrey, for sharing all your thoughts and views as well. All right? Thank you, Ernest. Thank you. If you like what you just heard, don't forget to scan the QR code to either the ST Podcast or the Green Pulse Show. That was a podcast by The Straits Times. Send your feedback to podcast at sph.com.sg. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. For more podcasts by The Straits Times, The Business Times, and Money FM 89.3, you can also download the audio by SPH app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O.